bless your word in our lives as we listen and hear the sermon today. Protect us from wandering thoughts and wandering desires that would distract us from your word. Just make your face shine on us through the, the, the written word. Be gracious to us. Give us the grace to receive it as good soil receives the seed. Thank you, Father, that we can trust you for this. In Jesus, amen. We're in Luke 13, verses 1 through 9. Luke 13, 1 through 9. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then... If it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. In January, our family was up in Tahoe for the weekend. It was Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. If you can remember what happened right before that, you can probably guess what's been happening all winter. Snow has been dumping on the Sierra. So we went up there, and there was just tons and tons and tons of snow. And along with this tons and tons of snow, there were tons and tons of people and tons of traffic. Uh, up in Truckee and Tahoe area. And one morning, Saturday morning, we were driving uh, from Tahoe City, heading over to Squaw on Highway 89, along the Truckee River there. Well, we were trying to drive, but we were kind of bumper to bumper, um, not moving on Highway 89, trying to get to Squaw Valley. As we're sitting there, bumper to bumper, those of you that know that road right along the the river there, there aren't very many spots where you have a good view of the river because of the trees and the windiness and so on. But as we finally are slowly making our way and we're stopped in a particular uh, place, and I just have this incredible view 
of the Truckee River off to my left as we're heading towards Squaw from Tahoe City. The trees are just caked with snow. Just snow, it's just white and pure and beautiful. I'm just sitting there in this traffic trying to get where we're going. I'm, I have a spot where the trees are gone. I can see the river. I can see everything. And here comes something flying over the river, like coming at me. At first glance, I, I'm like, is this a plane or a glider? And it was a bald eagle. And it is just 20 feet, 30 feet off the river. And, and I'm just stopped there, and I'm just watching this thing come. And it lands on top of the pine tree right near us in view at the very top. And the snow just starts to cascade off of the tree. And it was just, it was just glorious. I, I could have gone home right after that. I mean, so much for skiing, so much for everything that we went up there for. It's just one of those, those beautiful, beautiful moments. But that, that moment was in, in contrast or in juxtaposition with something else that happened just two days prior on that same highway with massive traffic. Some of you may have heard about it or, or uh, seen it on the news. But there's bumper-to-bumper traffic. This was like two days prior uh, than we were up there. I think it was Thursday. And there's this huge traffic jams all week with all this snow and on the weekends up there. And one of these massive trees falls across Highway 89 and hits a Subaru and kills the woman that's driving that car. She was 43 years old. She happened to be from Tahoe City. And those trees were just cut up and kind of moved to the side. The snow was packed really high from the plows on either side. And so those trees were sitting there. And they were like a reminder as we were up there when we would go by them about what happened. And I'm, you know, I'm needing to process like kind of this crazy, incredible experience that we've had and what happened two days prior on that same road. Now, those of you that were here last week, I mentioned right at the beginning of the sermon that there was another situation two weeks ago today. Uh, many of you know Don and Shirley Brammer, who were in Yosemite two weeks ago, and that morning, that they, uh, t- Sunday morning, they were away from their tent cabin in Yosemite, and there a tree fell on their tent cabin. All their stuff had to get mailed to them. The area was cordoned off and roped off and secured. And that's because that tree fell and hit a 20-year-old woman and killed her. She worked uh, there in Yosemite in one of the retail stores. Yesterday, Jake, our Awesome worship leader. Is Jake a great worship leader? Can we just like love having Jake around so many ways. Yesterday, Jake is driving up after visiting the ACs, family in our church, um, driving up Auburn Folsom Road. This is yesterday afternoon. He's driving up Auburn Folsom Road. There's a guy riding his bicycle in front of him. There is a truck passing the man on his bicycle, which in some way hits the man. And the man and his bicycle go flying. And Jake is witnessing all this right behind the truck. The man, for a short time, has a pulse. 
and is alive, but he died on the scene as Jake is right there on Auburn Folsom Road yesterday. I'm sorry to start off the sermon with so many, like, oh gosh, where is he going? Let's get out of here. Um, There there is going to be hope uh, in this message. But I'm telling you these things because the Lord has kind of been working on me in knowing how to respond to stuff like this. And so today, I, I believe I need a word from the Lord, from the Scriptures, on how to respond to these kinds of things. And so today, the Lord has kind of directed me to, to, uh, we're going to be back in Mark next week. I had a whole sermon prepared. The questions are in the bulletin from the sermon that I was going to preach. But the Lord has kind of redirected me today to look at a different passage so that we can find some hope and that we can find how it is we are to respond to tragedies, particularly tragedies that take human life so quickly, and it just seems like, what is going on here? So this is where we're, where we're going today, Luke chapter 13. Hope you have your Bibles opened there. We're going to go through verse 9. If you don't have a Bible, uh, go ahead and grab one in the chairs in front of you, Luke 13, chapter, one, or Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. I want to begin looking at verses 1 through 3. Let me read it again, the passage that Bud just read to you. It says, Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. So there's some similarity here with the passage that we are looking at with this section of Scripture and the kinds of incidents I've just described. The loss of massive loss and surprising loss of human life. This is what's happening in Luke chapter 13. These people are talking with Jesus about the Galileans. Pilate was known as a wicked, as an evil man who did all kinds of disgusting and barbaric things. And for some reason, he he killed, he slaughtered, had executed some of these Galileans who were worshipers of, of Yahweh, and they would have brought their sacrifices. This may have been Passover time when the laity slaughtered animals in worship of Yahweh, of God, and he not only slaughtered them, but then he mixed their blood with the blood of their sacrifices. And they bring this to Jesus, and look at Jesus' response. He says, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. So we see one of the ways to respond When something terrible happens to someone, like they're killed, whether it's from an evil man like this or whether it's from natural causes, we're going to see an example of that in just a moment. One of the ways to respond is, well, they, they must have had this coming. They must have been really bad that God had this happen to them, and I'm thankful that it hasn't happened to me. 
Jesus is anticipating this kind of thinking. He's anticipating that we have difficulty in responding to tragedy, to the loss of human life. But his response is, no, that's not the case. There is no correlation between their sinfulness and the fact that Pilate took them out. And then Jesus challenges the group to repent and to make sure that they also will not perish. So what I'm wanting us to do today is prepare us. I hope that you are not close to any tragedies right now, but I want to prepare us for for responding in a biblical and godly way to when tragedies come, when losses come. And and part of this this sermon today is I'm really preaching to myself as as I'm dealing with various things that I've been exposed to in this image of these trees on the side of the road, along with the eagle and the sweet times that I've had and the loss of life that I've been close to, not people that I know, but I've been close to people who've been close to people who've lost lives in just amazing ways and surprising ways and and shocking ways. So I want to say here at the outset, before we even look at the next disaster in our passage, that disasters or tragedies, both natural and man-made, emphasize the brevity of all human life, not the sinfulness of the few people who perish. We're going to see in this passage that one of the takeaways, one of the things that we should come away with when we see tragedies happen, when we see disasters or lives lost, we should be reminded of the brevity of human life. James 1 says that that our lives are like a vapor, like a vapor. And so Jesus' response to this very first issue is, is not to be thinking about them and that they're necessarily more sinful, these people that were killed by Pilate, but you make sure that you are confessed up, that you are living a life of repentance because life is short, it's fragile, it's brief. It is unsure. We don't know when a tree is going to fall or a truck is going to come. And it's happened near me in recent weeks. Matthew Henry writes this. He says, we must abide by this rule that we cannot judge of men's sins by their sufferings in this world. For many are thrown into the furnace as gold to be purified, not as dross and chaff to be consumed. We must therefore not be harsh in our censures of those that are afflicted more than their neighbors, as Job's friends were in their censures of him. Now, Matthew Henry isn't speaking about death here, but he's speaking we can have the same kind of response when people encounter tragedies and difficulties in their lives, and we can be like Job's friends and think that, well, they had this coming. We can think, as the Pharisees did, as these people did who approached Jesus, that, that they must have had this coming. And Jesus is very strongly saying that this is not the case. But you need to look at yourselves. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 says, Moreover, man does not know his time. Like fish caught in a treacherous net and birds trapped in a snare, so the sons of men are ensnared at an evil time when it suddenly falls on them. The scriptures remind us in many, many places that we do not know what is coming, that life is brief, that it is a vapor, that we do not know our our time, as it were. 
Another commentator writes this. He says, physical disasters, like physical advantages, are no indication that those who experience them are either worse or better than their fellow man. So Jesus, in this section, Luke has arranged this section, and the Holy Spirit has inspired this with this first example of tragedy that we have is is something that Pilate did. We could call this human evil. But then we have an example of natural evil, uh, or or whatever we want to call it. Look at verse 4 and following of chapter 13. Jesus, uh, the word says this, Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. So the issue is not their lives or their sinfulness or they got up on the wrong side of the bed or that they didn't have their quiet time or they didn't attend church enough. This is part of what it means to live in a fallen world that tragedies come. Whether it is caused by Pilate or it's who knows what caused this building in the, this, to, to fall and killed uh, 18 people. The emphasis, again, is on our own response and looking inside ourselves. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Again, what I'm trying to do this morning is help us come to terms with how we respond to tragedies. So a second point, I just have three, a short message this morning. Point number two, disasters or tragedies, both natural and man-made, are divine megaphones proclaiming repent and believe the gospel. This is how we should respond to tragedies. To look inside of ourselves, to repent of whatever it is that we have going on, and we all have stuff going on. Do we not? Can I get an amen there? We all have stuff going on. One of the distinctives, one of the uh, things that I love about Cornerstone is just our honesty. We know that we're messed up. And we know that God loves us and His grace is there for us. And so the response here isn't to, respecula- to speculate and and go why, 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 or to think that they're worse off or this happened to them, but to look inside of ourselves and to repent and to believe the gospel when these things happen. Life is short. We need to look inside of ourselves. Uh, One commentator uh, writes this. He says, Repentance means changing one's mind so that one's views, values, goals, and ways are changed. And one's whole life is lived differently. Mind and judgment, will and affections, behavior and lifestyle, motives and plans, all are involved. Repenting means starting to live a new life. And the grace of Jesus Christ invites us to repent constantly and to be changed from the inside out, our views, our values, our goals, everything about us. This is how we're called to respond to tragedies that we see in the world, to the loss of life, to the unexpected loss of life. Another commentator writes this. 
He says the fate of these people is a reminder not of their sins. They were neither better nor worse than many others, but of the urgency of the gospel. This is the role that tragedy and the loss of life serves for us to see how important and urgent the gospel is, what's really important in life. Not the perishable things, but the imperishable things, the living and enduring word of God and the gospel. So we have these couple of examples here in Luke 13, and then we have a parable. Let's look at this. It's a brief parable. Let's look at this as we ask the Lord to help us to know how to respond to tragedy, to hardships, to the loss of life in our lives, things that we cannot make sense of. So he tells this parable, verse 6. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Jesus characteristically speaks in ways that are, that are not direct, that are, that are very deep. He often tells parables. A parable is a very simple story that has profound meaning that we need to spend some time in and figure out what is going on here in this context. Why is he telling this parable here right after these losses of life, right after this evil tragedy of, of human sin, Pilate slaughtering, then this tragedy of this building falling over and and people dying, not knowing how to respond to this tragedy, he tells this parable. So the parable is pretty straightforward. We get it. There's, There's a tree that's planted in this vineyard, and it's not bearing any fruit. The vineyard owner uh, doesn't plant trees to not bear fruit. You know, uh, we don't plant any trees at our house. Uh, we like collecting uh, things from those of you that have green thumbs and, and so on and enjoying that, but we're, we are not, uh, we're not people with green thumbs in our home. Anybody else like that? Uh, a few of you? Some of you are just awesome at that. I just love going into your houses and walking around and eating your fresh vegetables and fresh fruits and stuff. But we don't have that. And so this, this parable is pretty simple to understand. If you're going to plant a mandarin tree, you want to get some mandarins, Right? And there are no mandarins. I can't really relate to figs. Can you? A couple of you can. So I'm going to kind of switch this to mandarins, okay? A few of you can. Yeah, if it's not bearing figs, it's not bearing mandarins, then we need to get rid of that tree and get one that actually bears mandarins or bears figs. The parable itself, the the story is very straightforward. It's very understandable. But of course, this story is not about agriculture. It's not about figs. So we have to go beyond that. So one of the things we have to do with a parable like this is figure out what the things in this parable symbolize. There's a physical reality and a corresponding spiritual reality or something that they refer to. So the man that has the fig tree or the owner of the vineyard, I want to suggest, and I'm not alone in this, this is the way this parable is generally understood by commentators across the centuries. The man that owns the 
the fig tree and owns the vineyard is, represents God. So God owns this vineyard. The vineyard has a fig tree that is not bearing fruit. And I want to suggest that this fig tree, although some would say represents Israel, and sometimes it does, it does in a sense represent Israel, but it also represents believers in Jesus, but mostly it represents you and me, this barren fig tree. We, after reading of these tragedies and thinking about how to respond to them, we need to be fruit-bearing people. And so the way that we respond to tragedy in our lives is by, by getting serious about the gospel of Jesus Christ and believing that he died for our sins and that he rose again and living out that gospel, living out repentance, living out forgiveness, living out unconditional generous love, all of these themes that, are, that come out of the gospel, we are to live that out. And in this parable, we are to be thinking, when we see tragedy, am I a fig tree that's not bearing any fruit. Now there is another couple characters or another character in this parable, and that is the man, the gardener, if you will, the man who's tending the vineyard. And this man, I believe, represents like a spiritual leader or a mentor or someone who loves Jesus, who is watching out for your soul. Some of you have Christian friends who go back many decades that kind of person who would watch out for you and care for you, I think, is what this uh, gardener, if you will, represents. And you have to love the heart of this, of this gardener. The heart of this gardener. I'm just going to ignore what's going on behind me. He says, um, he says, the gardener, when... The vineyard owner comes and says, it's time. Uh, I haven't found any fruit. Three years I've been coming. Cut it down. You love the heart of this, of this person. Leave it alone for one more year. For one more year. This, this phrase, one more year, I, I, I think it is referring to the, the brevity of life. It's referring to the, to the reality that you and I do not know how long we will have. And so this spiritual leader, this, this mentor is saying to the father, give this fig tree, give Mike Give, insert your name, some more time. There's going to be fruit that is going to come. I'm going to try and reconnect here. Are you with me, church? Okay. My computer's not with me, but that's pretty normal. It's been that kind of morning computer-wise. Should we just use that thing? Or are we connecting? Guys, just want to go to that thing? Just go ahead and forward it. I'll tell you when to stop. get this figured out eventually. Okay, that's good. 
So here we are on, on point number three, okay? What we're seeing in this parable is that only fruit-bearing trees are replanted in heavenly soil. And the time is short. And our response to tragedy is one of urgency. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. The time is short. And the message here is, are you serious? Do you love me? Do you love me with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength? And if you do, by my grace, by the empowering of my spirit, I will help you bear fruit. Fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Fruit of the gospel, being quick to forgive others. Only fruit-bearing trees are replanted in heavenly soil. This parable kind of leaves us hanging. Go forward to the next slide there. Matthew Henry writes this. He says, The God of heaven requires and expects fruit from those that have a place in his vineyard. He has his eye upon those that enjoy the gospel to see whether they live up to it. He seeks evidences of their getting good by the means of grace they enjoy. Leaves will not serve, crying, Lord, Lord. Blossoms will not serve, beginning well and promising fair. There must be fruit. Our thoughts, words, and actions must be according to the gospel, light, and love. Our response to tragedy, our response to tragedy is to be repenting, to be serious about the gospel, and to be bearing the fruit of the gospel in our lives. Now, this is when we get in this area of, of, of faith and works and, and, and what's critical here. Really, both are critical. We are saved by faith alone, but not a faith that remains alone. It is a faith that produces fruit. And Jesus is saying, instead of wondering why this happened and why I've been blessed and that person lost their life, the way we are to respond to tragedy is to repent and to ask God by his grace to help us to bear fruit in our lives. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, paraphrase, to bear much fruit, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Only fruit-bearing trees are replanted in heavenly soil. So I want to wind down here. I said we have a short sermon today. The Lord has just redirected me to go here in light of these events. The sermon may be mostly for me today. But I want us to ask some questions before I pray about your fruit bearing. Are you loving your yet to believe in Jesus neighbors? Co-workers, classmates, are you loving them? Do they see Christ in you? The good news, I said there was going to be some hope. The good news is that there's one more year here. There's one more year. The reader of Luke's gospel is saying, is he going to come and cut me down because I haven't been doing anything to advance his kingdom? 
to be honest, my life doesn't look like I love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. The good news is we have one more year as you're reading Luke 13. There are people praying for you and love you. And now is the time to repent, to live out the gospel, and to bear fruit. Are you loving your yet-to-believe neighbors? Do they see the character of Jesus in you? Are you bearing the fruit of the Spirit to the world? Are you ready to share the gospel with those who need to hear it? This is how we are called to respond to tragedy and the loss of life. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, it's easy to get sidetracked with the temporal and mundane things of life. And so we're asking now that even in this very moment and in these last minutes, that there would be a heaviness on our hearts, not guilt and sorrow and and misery, but a heaviness because we don't know how long we have and we want to be ready to be with you. And you expect your fig trees, you expect me to be bearing fruit in the way I love my neighbors, in the way I live out the gospel. So Lord, help us by your grace to do that. We have confidence in you that you are able to change people like us dramatically and help us to bear fruit. We ask this with great hope and eager expectation. In Jesus' name, amen.